Hello there! This show contains material which a truly free society would neither fear nor suppress. The language and concepts contained herein will not cause eternal torment in the place where the guy with the horns and pointed stick conducts his business. Willkommen. Here we are once again on the internet, on the air, or whatever we're on. In your we're case, on. we know what that is, but that's that's a hallucinogen or something. Oh, jeez. Everyone's going to get the wrong idea. Oh, or the right idea, depending. I think they already have the wrong idea. That's if they've seen your picture on the blog. <laughs> that's just silly. We're just kidding. Yeah, I think we're both in a silly mood today. It's just silliness personified. Yeah, well, we're back at it. I'm John Tellerico. And this is Rich Wilgus, and you're listening to... Bloodthirsty Vegetarians. Or if you prefer the article, The, the Bloodthirsty <laughs> Vegetarians. So, John, just really briefly, get us, get us back up to date on that uh, backyard of yours with those evil, <laughs> evil flying, whatever you call them, evil flying... Packets of doom. Packets of do- hell personified. Yeah, they're gone. They're dead. You nuked them? I uh, chemically nuked them. Well, you nuked the site from orbit. You know why? It's the only <laughs> way to be sure. That's right. We had a uh, strafing run on them with, with uh, some spray chemicals. That's a, a famous movie quote. Do you know the movie? <sighs> we'll nuke the site from orbit. It's the only way to be sure. We need we need one of those um, alarm clocks going off, letting me know that I'm out of time. Or the Jeopardy, you know. Wait, shh. One more note and we'd be sued. <laughs> that's right. Well, that's that's from uh, Aliens. Oh, really? We have to take off and nuke the site from orbit. It's the only way to be sure. We're all going to die. <laughs> Hudson, he was the best. <laughs> if any of you haven't seen Aliens, I mean, movie three and four in that in that series were just apocryphally bad. They were abominable. But Alien and Aliens were great. We're and, all going to uh, die, man. He's, we're quoting Hudson and yeah. a bunch of other great characters. His rants were just great. Uh, what's his name? He was the he was in uh, Titanic too. Titanic. Yeah, he played the like the um the 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 fortune hunter guy. That was him. Yeah, that was uh, um, Bill Pol. Not Bill Pullman. Hudson. What's his name? I. It's gonna again another one of those It'll days come to where us later. we're gonna miss it. Um. Yeah. Well, he, was, he was also in Tornado. He was. Yeah. He or played Twister. the Twister. He yeah. played the lead opposite uh, Helen Hunt. Right. Yep. Yeah, I haven't seen that, actually. I only know her from um, the Paul Reiser show, who was in Aliens, actually. <laughs> he played the corporate weasel. It all goes around. It's a giant happy circle. circle. It's a circle of life. So we've had a couple of firsts. Yeah, we've we, got some uh, feedback. Feedback. <laughs> we have two kinds of feedback, actually. We have been soliciting photographs with our logo on them from interesting places, and we're going to put together a little uh, a little gallery, a listener gallery. And we also uh, asked for audio feedback and we've got one we did andy sent us a little thing and we're going to play it for you right now and this is andy from colorado hello john and rich my name is andy i live in broomfield colorado it's about 15 minutes north of denver so i'd like to say i love the show i probably wouldn't have listened if it wasn't for the title though i was browsing through the, the podcast on itunes and bloodthirsty vegetarians caught my eyes thinking what's that all about and so i downloaded it 
was your uh, test show, your pre-show one, and uh, I liked it and downloaded everyone since then. I'm actually a former vegetarian. Uh, the reason I'm not right now is because I'm a student and I can't really afford it. Um, as soon as I can again, I probably will, just because I love the way I feel when I'm a vegetarian. Just it's uh, uh just makes me feel a whole lot better. It um, it's kind of hard to explain, I guess. But you probably you probably know what I'm talking about. Is uh, the first time when I was vegetarian. Uh, I was vegetarian for about nine months, and I lost about 65 pounds in that time, and it just it just felt awesome. I also like the, the fact that you guys talk about indie film. Uh, it's my goal in life to become a filmmaker, uh, so it's all that's exciting when people take an interest in uh, independent film. I do have to say a few things about About Schmidt. About About Schmidt. Uh, one thing is that it was filmed in Denver, so it's always fun to see uh, landmarks that you've been to in nationally released movies. Then one of the early scenes of the movie, Jack Nicholson drives by the Ogden Theater, which is a concert venue down in Denver, which I've been to many times. Um, and also, in one of the scenes, he was giving, one of the characters was giving Jack Nicholson directions, driving directions and route through Denver that were 100% correct. One of the reasons that that movie is not in my DVD collection is because of a scene later in the film with Kathy Bates, uh, if you've seen the film, you probably know what I'm talking about. Oh yeah, um, just, I kind of saw it coming from a little, from a from ways away, and uh, it just kind of violated my brain and uh, made my eyes very sad. <laughs> so anyway, that's that's all I have to say, guys. Keep up the good work. Keep pumping out the podcasts, and I will keep listening. Thanks, awesome! Andy. Wow, yeah, they made my eyes pretty sad too made other things sad too <laughs> i i i had that opinion actually when i saw the movie the first time because i had heard you know the yeah. rumors throughout the industry were 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 uh quite rampant that uh um well what's her name kathy um, bates kathy bates was was bearing were was going to bear her breasts and get into a hot tub with mr nicholson and um so i waited for the scene to you know to come around and i saw it and uh, i i i had that sort of sad eyes um thing going on after i saw the film and i went to see it with a, a dear friend of mine who's a woman and uh you know she reminds me that we're all going to get old oh, and yeah. our stuff's yeah. all going to sag eventually and we're not going to be the beautiful people uh, that we are now always yeah the funny thing is if if you um waited maybe 3 or 4 more years kathy bates and jack nicholson's bodies are identical <laughs> And that's the great irony. Yeah. Um, the, uh, but she's an amazing actress. I mean, how good was she in Misery? Mm -hmm. Forget about it, you know? She's a genius. Yeah, she was a cock -a in that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know when I say Mr. Man every once yes. in a while? I think that I stole that from her. Uh, yeah. I think I stole that from her there. And hey, Andy, uh, I've actually been to Golden, Colorado. I have some, uh, some, some relatives in uh, Evergreen, Colorado, which I think is also north of Denver. And uh, we were there visiting them, and we took a tour of the Coors uh, Brewery and uh, all those other things you can see around that area, the Air Force Academy and all that stuff. So there you go, about yeah. about Schmidt. And uh, half of my in-laws are from Colorado. Yeah. I've got um, my father-in-law's family's from, I think the town is called Debec, and it's tiny. They have like an all-town, every-year um, reunion for their, their high school. And, and like maybe 50 people show up. What's the town? Debec? I think it's called Debec. Huh. Interesting. I yeah. never heard of that. Very small town. Or are you thinking of a Canadian province? What? <laughs> Quebec? No, not them. Oh, okay. 
Well, thanks, Andy. We appreciate the feedback, and uh, anybody who wants to send us uh, feedback of that type, we'd we'd love to hear it. I was pretty darn excited when I got that one, and that was perfect. You know, he talked about himself and kind of um, you know gave us a feel for what he's into and, and and how that relates to what we're into, and expanding that idea of community that yeah. uh, we talk about every once in a while. Yeah, and that's what it's all about. We're we're trying to get everyone together. This isn't just a one way thing. I keep saying the same thing over and over again. When are you going to get it? It's a gigantic two way party, and we want to party with every one of you. <laughs> no, and and the photo thing is is going to help as well. So, oh, that's right. We got a photo from Chris with a K. Yeah, that's a guy. And uh, the photo, uh, which you'll get to see soon. John doesn't want to put it up, but even because we only have one, but I want him to. So we'll just. Yeah, we'll put a gun it. to his head. Maybe, but it, maybe tonight. It's a funny photo because it's uh, our friend Chris, who's from Central New York here, actually, and uh, he's fondling the Stanley Cup. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if apparently there are no laws against that in Canada, but uh, it's no, a good thing he wasn't doing it when he was here, when the cup was here, because it's he, in committee right now. I think they're working on it. Yeah. So a few months ago, can we? Wow, have we been doing the show a few months? It seems like. Um, years at least six shows right in that area right in that vicinity <laughs> and uh we played for you miguel pico classical guitar show number one i think it was actually yeah and uh we've been we found all this other cool music you know along the way and we've been playing that too but we we have more stuff and we wanted to play another uh another miguel tune this one is actually a song that he wrote so this is actually composed by miguel pico mm-hmm. and this song is called arabesco so as as Otis Day and the Knights would say, hit it. <laughs> Thank you. 
Cool. Yeah. It, that was um, recorded live in my brother's living room <laughs> by me a couple of months ago, like um, June 22nd or something like that. And uh, I edited out the crowd's applause and all that. It doesn't sound like a live recording, actually. No. You'd expect more coughing and background noise and people belching or something. But, Dogs uh, barking. There was a dog whimpering in the back of one of the tracks. It was my brother's golden, <laughs> for real. Yeah. But thank you, Miguel. That rocked. And, of course, we uh, we have linked to his website. And uh, when we release this show, we'll link to his website once again because he is a teacher and an instructor. And if you want to hire him for any of those things, he'll be glad to, to take your money and teach you something. Yeah, it's it's really cool that, that we can play this kind of music on the, on the show. And it's really cool that we've got uh, so many musicians out there that are willing to provide music that is pod safe. Yeah, it, it's, uh, it's... I twisted his arm. <laughs> Did you get the contract? I didn't make him sign it. In blood? Anything. No, this was just verbal. Yeah. He said, it's cool. And I said, fine. So hopefully his he won't come His word is his bond. It is. It's a cultural thing. Speaking yeah. of music. Speaking. We were talking about this, and we've talked about this in the past. We'll keep talking about and it. And we're going to keep talking about it because, darn it, it makes me mad. Intellectual property. Right. You know, Lars Ulrich from Metallica is suing everyone who says the word Metallica out loud and, mm-hmm. you know, downloads a, a 32 kilobit, you know, uh, uh, MP3 of a Metallica song <laughs> or something and wants to put him in jail and, and, and uh, make the, make their parents clean his house for a year or something. And it sort of it raises an interesting question in my mind. And I've heard Lawrence Lessig make this point before and I've thought about it. And we pay when we buy a, a song. You know, we're paying the artist, we're paying, there's advertising costs in there, there's many costs in there, duplication costs, uh, lots of overhead. So, and in our lifetimes, we saw a format change from vinyl to CD, right? And in more than one video format, we originally saw uh, beta to VHS to the original analog laser discs and now DVD, and then the next generation that's going to come out soon. So it's an, it, Lawrence Lessig, this famous intellectual property uh, attorney, argues in front of the Supreme Court. He's pretty cool. He made the point that struck me one day. For example, I own, pick a record, Genesis, uh, uh, Selling England by the Pound, whatever, Lamb Lies Down on Broadway. I bought that on vinyl, two album set. Great. Mm-hmm. Loved it. Probably still play it if I knew where my turntable was. <laughs> and when it finally came out on CD, when I bought my first CD player back in sometime in the 80s, I bought it again. So mm-hmm. I'm paying for the intellectual property twice. Right. I don't think you should have to pay for the intellectual property twice. Uh, I'll be happy to pay for duplication costs and those other things that are associated with changing to a new format. But if I've paid for the intellectual property once, why do I have to pay for it again? And by the way, I paid for it a third time yeah. because in the 90s, they remastered. They're finally getting digital audio right, and they're finally getting it to sound good. In the beginning, it didn't sound good. Converters weren't all that great, and, and, and they, they're learning some tricks uh, to, to make digital audio sound really good. So they remastered the whole Genesis catalog in 90-something, and guess what? I bought a few other p- titles again, so I've paid three times for this piece mm-hmm. of intellectual property. It just doesn't make sense to me. And I, I, I guess where I'm going with this is that these artists, or not the artists, but, you know, these these people who are trying to defend the intellectual property of the of these guys, or Genesis or, or, or Metallica or whatever, you know, they, they vigorously defend their their intellectual property and then and they go against people who want to pirate their music. But you know, C D costs seventeen ninety nine and in mm-hmm. the example where I just told you where I've had to pay for the intellectual property three times, I mean, is it any wonder why, you know, the geeks out there in the world are pirating uh media like crazy, movies yeah. and, and CDs. They just don't get it. 
No, what these they're doing is weenies. What they're doing is they're defending the status quo. They're they're defending from having to change their distribution model. So what what they're doing is they're they're spending tons and tons of money on lawyers, litigation, and they're trying to keep it so that they don't have to spend the money to change their distribution model to be more efficient, to be more fair to the consumer. That's all. I, I think, yeah, I mean, certainly a, 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 any entity, be it a government or a corporation, is going to do what it has to to survive mm-hmm. and to stay in power, as it were. So the status quo is great for them. It's they yeah. Often the status quo is not great for the little guy. And by that, in this case, it's the consumer. Right. Um, but what they need to learn and, and that they apparently didn't learn with, with VHS was that this, this ability, for example, VHS gave us a whole new market. It gave us the idea, mm-hmm. the, the concept of being able to rent movies and guess what? They can make all this money now. You don't have to go to a theater to see things anymore. Yeah. Do you so remember when, when, um, when VHS became big, all of the talk about how theaters were going to go down the drain, it was going to be the death of the theater business. None of, none of this happened. Never and, happened. And they're screaming this now. You know, uh, Jack Valenti from the MPAA and all these mm-hmm. guys are, are screaming that, you know, digital piracy is going to bring down uh, the world. I mean, the, the earth is apparently going to collapse in on itself or something like that. I don't know. And it's just bunk. Don't believe it. They're lying to you. Yeah. I don't I don't know if it was uh, Larry Lessig who said this, but um, he was saying something to the effect of, you know, piracy has been happening even before there were di- there was digital media. Piracy has been of going course. on forever, mm-hmm. even back in the day when there was uh, very little distribution of vinyl. But so you've got the, these record companies who are bringing up the piracy thing as if it was a new problem. And and what happened? And it should it should really be part of their operating costs. They should be looking at it as it's not a loss. It's just a, a cost of doing business. It's part of the business. And they're trying to get rid of fair use. Once upon right. a time, there was this thing called fair use, where if I had a vinyl record or a CD. I can make a couple copies of it for myself, for mm-hmm. example. And and granted, I'm sure people are making copies for their friends. I'm I'm sure I've no, I've never done that. Um, <laughs> but you know, you can that, have that a would couple involve friends. Yeah, that would involve <laughs> the need to have friends. Yeah. And you know, that once upon a time, you could back in the '80s or whatever, you could make um, a cassette copy of your record. You know, mixtapes, mixtapes. You could t- to play it in your car or mm-hmm. to have a or to have a backup. That's which right. is what fair use was. And now they're trying to get rid of fair use in this whole DRM thing, this whole digital rights management, digital rights management that they're yeah. incorporating into Windows operating system and, and they're going to incorporate it into the, the very hardware we use, CD mm-hmm. players and all that. They're trying to take away our right to to kind of play when we want, I guess, um, this this piece of intellectual property <laughs> that right. we've we've purchased that we should be able to use when we want. Right. And, and they're also forgetting. Well, they're not forgetting it. They're strategically removing the, the mention of it that when people do distribute the, the pieces of music that they've either mixed together with other pieces of music, like in mashups, or if they're distributing it to friends or putting it on these, uh, these peer-to-peer networks – that music is getting so much exposure that it's free advertising. But they don't they don't put that into the equation because it's they don't too inconvenient. That. Yeah. No, they don't recognize it at no, all. No, because that doesn't fit with the status quo. No. Not at all. And this this kind of makes me mad. You know, I just yeah. don't get it. You yeah. Know? There's so much music out there since um and I'd hate to say it, but I gotta admit it. There's been so much music out there that I've downloaded to sample that technically is illegal, but I wouldn't have been exposed to this music if if it weren't for the digital uh peer-to-peer networks and you, you did something illegal uh did you drive over the speed limit today no i didn't drive today oh wait i did drive today yeah i was there i saw you do it <laughs> that's right 
No, so anyways, I'm, I've been exposed to so much music that I wouldn't have normally picked up or wouldn't have normally listened to the radio because it's not something I do anyways. Um, so I've gotten hit by music that they didn't have to pay a penny to advertise. I've, I've gotten exposed to it. Now, did that parlay into sales? Well, for me, in my case, not many. But then again, how do you consider that a loss in revenue? Because it hit me. None. It's a zero. It's a zero-sum game for me. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, I don't know when they're going to get that. And fortunately, we have guys like Larry Lessig arguing this kind of stuff on our behalf. And by our behalf, I mean consumers, normal people, you know, who aren't uh, part of this big, giant corporate hell we live in. Yeah, because, you know, it's not one of those things where the the consumer is altruistic and, and, uh, and is going to save the world and, and the... The big corporations are out to get us, and, and their evil lawyers are going to take us down. Now, the, the problem is, in most cases, people are apathetic about it, and we're being taken advantage of because of our apathy. Yeah, so it's good that we've got people like Larry and, and others. And the uh, EFF, the Electronic yeah. Freedom Foundation, um, which is uh, which those corporate entities are trying to smear like like so many <laughs> like so many people did the ACLU mm-hmm. you know i mean what back in uh the 88 presidential campaign you know if you believed in something like card carrying card carrying member of the ACLU like that means communist or something so they're trying to smear the electronic freedom foundation and guys like Larry Lessig but we're not going to let them do it and you know what we want you to go out and preach the same thing and don't let them do it yeah unfortunately we're still in a state where we can't we can't just pick up music and play it. We'd love to be able to talk about some of our favorite bands, some bands that are under contract that we well, can... Well, we can talk about them. Well, well, I'd like to talk about them and play their music and talk oh. about the music at the same well, time. Well, there's the rub. Yeah, there's the rub. And it's unfortunate because, you know, just because it's uh, they're under contract with a, a major label doesn't mean that they suck. There's a lot of good stuff out there, but yeah, we can't do it. But fortunately... We have some friends in the music business, and uh, we have email and phone, and we can play some interesting stuff for you, like hopefully we've been doing. Although, someone didn't like the Ponder, Banks, and Shaw tune that we played uh, a couple of shows ago. How could you not like that song? And, and you know what I say to that? What do you say to that? Tough noogies. Tough noogies, that's right. We liked yeah. it. That's, Actually, that's, that's one of the things I said, I think, in the first show. If you don't like something, the beauty of the whole podcast thing... You can rewind, you can fast forward, you can cut out pieces of the MP3. It's up to you. You don't have to listen to the music if you don't like it. Yeah, you can just fast forward ahead. But we mm-hmm. encourage you to listen to it because we think we're making some pretty cool selections. And speaking of music, we, we got, got another tune. We have yet another. Um, oh, yeah. Well, I've mentioned his name way too many times with my friend Jeremy Shaw, who wrote our theme song. Yeah, the, the checks haven't come in yet from that mention. No, I know. Yeah, we got to work on that. But he uh, he has a record called Neptune Ensemble, which I engineered and produced. Thank you very much. <laughs> and um, we're going to play another track off that. It's, uh, it's a song called Needle in My Eye, and it's sort of a ska tune without horns. It's pretty cool. And uh, dig well, it. Why don't you play it? So I went too fast, so I got too high. I saw the future with a needle in my eye. I waited too long. Just a little too sober I blew apart One day in late October There was trouble at hand There was pressure in the cooker I knew a girl And she thought that I mistook her She pushed me away Yet I did follow I went too far On that eve of a hollow I had a meeting With the demons in my head The stew was boiling On a counter 
what was said My friends were there But they didn't understand That my mind was temporarily visiting another land Another land Tell me, am I here to save you? No, you just joined the ranks of you It seems so real I can't taste it That's just because your mind is wasted is disconcerting When will my tortured soul stop hurting? Answers will come It's harder for some to still have their fun La-dee-ya-dee-ya Would I ever come back? Would I ever get better? Was there a chance I'd be able to unfetter? Just a little bit scared Perhaps a little bit feeble The angels wept while the demons were so people I had a meeting with the demons in my head The stew was boiling on account of what was said My friends were there, but they didn't understand That my mind was temporarily visiting another land Another land Tell me, am I here to save you? No, you just joined the ranks of hate It seems so real that I can taste it That's just because your mind is wasted Just join. 
Just because your mind is wasted Bearing this cross is disconcerting They will. Answers will come. Once again, that was my Trippy. friend. Trippy. Yeah, my friend Jeremy Shaw on his record uh, Neptune Ensemble. And I won't tell you what that, sa- what that song was about, but I know. Yeah, you can rewind it and figure it out. Yeah, he talks about a lot of interesting, um, a lot of interesting stuff. So you might be able to figure it out from the visuals he creates with his, his poetry. Yeah. We have wine. Oh, yeah, yeah. Not again. Let me pop it. You're going to, well... By all means. Yeah, let me let me tell the uh, listeners out there what this juice is. Is this Fry? Frey? Fry? Fry? Frey. F-R-E-Y. F-R-E-Y. It's uh, 2003. Mendocino Cabernet. If you if you uh, take a look at our, our pronunciation guide, you'll understand what I'm saying. It's the Cabernet Sauvignon. It's on the, uh, it's on the website, the yeah. Bloodthirsty uh, Guide to Wine Pronunciation and Food Pairings by uh, John. And this is actually an organic wine, no sulfites added, that I picked up at a local uh, liquor store today. I might even eat this cork. Hang on a sec. Wait for it? Yeah. Oh, no, it didn't make any sound at all. Oh, how how unfulfilling. It's actually a different cork than I've seen before. Huh. Yeah. John, talk into the mic. No, I'm, I'm leaning back because I didn't want to hit the, the mic with the, the corkscrew. Yeah, that looks like a, a different cork. It looks like it's manufactured, but it's not... It's not. Uh, it looks like plywood. It looks like a composite cork, like it's real cork, yeah, but they glued it together or something. I've seen some some uh, artificial corks or uh, non organic looking corks, but that's a new one. So this is something um, my local liquor store, our liquor uh, superstore locally, has a, a display of organic uh, organic wines, and by that I mean wines, of course, grown with no pesticides, and the wine um, they don't add sulfites. So what this means for the wine is it's not going to age well. It's not going to retain its color or flavor because the sulfites help uh, wines do that. So this is a wine okay, you actually quickly. This is a wine you actually have to drink and not shelf because it won't age as well as a as a wine with sulfites. But wine yeah. should be enjoyed. So I don't know. Maybe we should taste it. Yeah. John's enjoying the bouquet. <laughs> I'm I'm growing into a snob. <laughs> the John I know has always been a snob, but. <laughs> And I haven't tasted mine yet because if we both taste at the same time, we'll have like minutes of dead air. Dead air, dead air, dead air, dead air equals bad. We got to get a sample like a Frankenstein. Oh, that's delicious. It's not bad. I'd rather enjoy that. Very, very good. Cool. Good stuff. I enjoy that. And we'll link to their website. They do, they actually do have their URL on the bottle. So we'll. For yeah. one of our listeners out there, for our one listener, I should say the one listener who actually cared about the wines we were drinking, we've, uh, we completely redid the website. I should say John did. And he listed all uh, varieties and vintages of every wine that we've drank on the show to date, and we'll add this one as well. Yeah, and I'm, I'm about to do some other updates to the website too. So uh, 
You'll see those forthwith. And you'll see a photograph of Chris fondling the Stanley Cup. <laughs> Not doing anything unnatural, but he's, well, he's loving the cup. The, you know, the relatives of that Stanley Cup were a little unhappy. You know, there wasn't a proper courting process. Nothing happened there that should have happened. <laughs> now, is, is Stanley its, it's God-given name? I don't know. It might be Stashu. What if it were Polish? Because then it would be Stashu. Do they call him Stan, like at parties? Or I think they do. It's, it's so it's formal. A, it Stanley. is. Stanley. It's very formal. It's very large. And often wine or champagne is drank out of it. Yeah. So we have another topic we're going to broach, and we're already 34 minutes and 43 seconds into the show, but the network let us go over again. No, but we're at 47, actually. It's actually something that's... Um, no, we're not. It's... <laughs> It's actually something that's been in the news a lot, and it's something that uh, interests me and John a great deal. Yeah, it's something close to our hearts, if not our wallets. <clears throat> Space exploration. You know, oh, with yeah. the shuttle, with the recent relaunch of the shuttle after, of course, the awful, awful, was it Challenger? The Challenger accident? Columbia. Columbia accident. Well, Challenger, obviously, but then... Oh, that's then, right. Challenger was in 86 or whatever, 80, 86. Yeah. And then Columbia. Columbia, the horrible, horrible, tragic loss of, I think, seven astronauts mm-hmm. and... Um, Back two or three years ago, that one January day, I think it was. I I have pretty strong feelings about this, and they they you know people are calling. John actually heard this. He heard people calling for the end of manned space flight and and exploration and, and robotics is great, and we're doing ever since you know Mars Pathfinder has did some great things in '97, and ever since then we've been launching some great missions to Mars. For example, a couple failed. Yeah, okay, it, it's, fine. It's great science, but. The one thing that that uh, robotics cannot do, at least at this stage, is make decisions on the fly that a human could make. Yeah, they're intuit things. Yeah, and artificial intelligence is not intuitive yet, and and we don't have strong AI, and we're probably going to need that to to really be able to do the job that a person does. I mean, it's uh, you know on a, on another planet doing research, but to wit, more to the point. I guess the way this, um, in the context of the space shuttle or, you know, we've lost a lot of guys, I guess, I guess we have, you know, we lost the, uh, the, the Challenger guys and the Columbia guys. And, um, we lost the guys in Apollo one back mm-hmm. in 1967 and the Russians have lost some guys, but space is inherently space exploration is inherently a dangerous thing. And I don't want to sound cold hearted because I'm not, but, um, these guys knew the risks and they chose to do it anyway. And I think, and I know this is a cliche, uh, but I feel very strongly that if you were to talk to them, if were they around now, or if you were to talk to their families, they would say that we need to continue manned space exploration. Absolutely. I mean, and, actually, three things. One, space is probably the most hostile environment that a human being could be put in. That's just the way it is. So it's going to be dangerous because of that. You haven't seen some of the hotels the company <laughs> sends me in and, uh, on, on trade show trips. But yeah, anyway. but there are some things edible in those. There's nothing edible in space. Okay. Now, now you've thrown me off. I'm going to say... Okay, one, and then B. B. Stop that. You're, you're abusing the table, and it's, it's annoying. This is what happens. I get angry. I get, I get upset. And, and I you start, hit things. I start banging on things. That's just not good. Okay. You know, the next thing is human beings are naturally built to explore. Our, our whole entire being wants to explore. We're curious. We're curious people. Yeah, we're curious. So, and if we, we want to learn. If we stop exploration learn. because of... Um, economics then we stop growing as human beings yeah as a species yeah exactly as human beings yeah and then you know the third thing which is you threw me off track so now now my third thing is is uh is left my mind 
Okay. As, as many other things have left my mind. Well, it's, I'll, it's I'll talk, one. and maybe it'll come back to you. Yeah. Um, science for the sake of science. I'm a big fan of, of science for the sake of science. As I've mentioned on previous shows, the idea of militarizing space doesn't appeal to me, but the idea of of going to the moon again or going to Mars and, and searching for life there because I believe deep down inside that life did begin to evolve on Mars. It was a watery planet one day. I mean, mm-hmm. all of the recent Mars missions, including the two rovers that are up there now, are showing us that what Mars was a very watery place. But we're going to need humans there to look for you know previous signs of life, bacterial, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Oh, and I remembered what I was going to say. The other thing is, yeah, we, we explore, and we have been exploring ever since we crawled out of caves or whatever we did, crawled out of the soup. The primordial ooze. Yeah, I mean, we've been exploring always, and if you look at the missions to, say, the new world, to the, the new continents, how many people were lost during those? Many. Yeah. Absolutely. And and a lot of science was done at that time, you know, maybe not to, to uh, contemporary standards, but a lot of science was done. And you could say back then that there was a lot of different motivations for it, but a lot of science, a lot of good came out of it, a lot of bad came out of it, but it's just part of it. Same thing with space. We're human beings, we need to explore, and there are going to be people who are going to die. It's just going to happen. And it's not, again, we're not being insensitive, and uh, we don't want anybody to die. Yeah. Uh, we want to discover, you know. And But again, as I said, I think if you were, if, if these people were alive today, um, they would say we should continue manned space exploration, and I think their families would say it too. You know, it's yeah. it's a horrible thing, but um, it's I I believe with all my heart that and and you know, and I've heard families after the Challenger disaster say that they they believe their now deceased spouses or family would want to continue with that, and um, so that's all, my two cents on that. I mean, you know, and and by the way, as long as we're going to explore, let's actually explore the whole shuttle low Earth orbit thing. Is mm-hmm. kind of cool for doing crystal growing experiments or whatever they're doing up there. Really, the 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 best place to do that kind of stuff is on the the space station. The shuttle is is really outgrowing its its usefulness, but it, it doesn't go anywhere. No. That, that's my point. It goes yeah. to low Earth orbit and it lands, and then it goes up again and it lands. But it's horribly inefficient. I mean, it's flashy and all that. It looks like an airplane, and but it, the design of it doesn't really do things efficiently. It's very expensive to put Well, it was and... supposed to. That's the irony. Right. But right. when you look at the cost analysis, um, it's almost just as inexpensive to launch a Saturn rocket, you know, again, because by now the tooling would have paid for itself and gotten mm-hmm. so much more, more inexpensive. And um, it would be nearly as inexpensive to launch a heavy lift rocket like a Saturn Saturn V again. Yeah. Um, but when I say let's go somewhere, I mean let's go somewhere. The shuttle yeah. can't leave lower Thor, but I want to go back to the moon. I want to go back to Mars, and apparently so does your dog. And, <laughs> to uh, the moon, Alice. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so, you know, those are my two cents on the, on the topic of space exploration. Risky, but worth it. It's a risk-reward thing, as is every decision we have to yeah. make. You have to weigh the risks against the reward. And for everybody, it's going to be a different answer. Yep. But let's not run scared because a, a few people died. No, and, and the, the only thing that I've got a problem with is, is not the, the risks and, and maybe not even the design of the shuttle. The problem is expectations. I mean, the... Hey, Sam, the, the expectations that the shuttle is this big, safe thing. Well, it's it's the way that it's been spun. It went up a million times, people think. Well, it hasn't gone up a million times. It's gone up how many missions? A hundred and something? Yeah, I don't actually know the number. Yeah, but, 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 it, but that's, it's, it's, each it's, one hasn't done that. We've only done a hundred and something total missions total. divided by the number of working shuttles we have. So each one's gone up 40 or 50 times, whatever that number is. I don't know. Right, and, and 
I think that NASA and the government has wanted to spin those missions as being horribly safe, no big deal. People became complacent. And then, you know, when the shuttle blows up, it's this huge shock. People really shouldn't be shocked by that. People should be shocked that it doesn't blow up. <laughs> well, that, I'm not sure I agree with that, but it's not that quite that unsafe. I mean, the rig risk, the big oh, risk no, is... I mean, like I was saying before, in, in, the, in the grand scheme of things, the exploration of space, we've lost very few lives. But the thing is, it's a really, really risky thing. And, and the it's shuttle a risky is, business. The shuttle is, is, is a, well, people have described it as the most complex piece of machinery ever built. I don't know if it is, but it's pretty damn complex. Yeah. Well, there's certainly a lot of systems on there that need to work yeah. all the time for the duration of the mission. And there's lots of redundancy, so a lot of systems really don't need to work for the duration of the mission. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's... I, I think on the whole, it's still pretty safe. And I think if they asked me to go, I'd go. Yeah. You know, I want to experience zero G, you know, microgravity. And, uh, I think it'd be, I think it'd be a lot of fun. And, and I'd go because I don't really have a family and, you know, no one's going to miss me. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it's not that big a thing. Yeah. We need to see this big, huge puff on the moon when Rich hits it. <laughs> Oh man! Uh, I'll make a crater. I don't mind. Yeah. <laughs> if it's in the name of science, like I said, I'm all about science for the sake of science and art for the sake of art and Absolutely. all that good stuff. Scientia gratis scientia. Mm-hmm. And vino veritas. Aris gratia ars. I think that's Latin, or I could just be, I could just be talking out of my... Uh, ars. <laughs> out of my ars. <laughs> Well, you know, I think that's it. I that's think a we've, show. We've, we've, we've gone we've, way long. We're, yeah, the, the Gelman is giving us the cutthroat <laughs> sign again. And I don't know if any of you know who Gelman is. Oh, there it is. Oh, my God. Now they really made us stop now. They pushed the button. Yeah. The button. Sorry about that. The president that. has this thing on his desk called the button, or at least he did during the Cold War, didn't he? Yeah, and he's got a football, too. He does. Not shaped like a football, though. Nah. So anyway, send us some more feedback. Audio, photographs, everything. Send that to feedback at bloodyveg.com. Yeah, if you're a musician, hit us at tunes at bloodyveg.com. Well, don't hit us. Yeah, that would hurt. But you can send us some stuff. Yeah. And you can send audio feedback. Uh, like, uh, like our friend from Colorado did, Andy. Yeah. Thank you, Andy, again. Yeah. And, and uh, uh, good luck with your film career. Oh, yeah. Good luck, man. It's tough. Yep. Hit our blog, too, at www.bloodyveg.com. Yeah, check us out. We're going to have a new uh, a new uh, template, a new look and feel for the blog. And remember, you're listening to V-I-B.